Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I am Josh Spector, and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast exists for a really simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. Each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that is it. No fluff. We get right to the good stuff and hopefully lots of actionable tips that you can and they can put to use. Speaking of which, I've got a sneak peek of some of what I'm going to give you in today's episode. I'm going to share five ways to figure out whether or not you should offer a membership program, three magic questions that reveal what your content should be about, and a niche narrowing exercise that will help you pick the perfect topic for your course or info product. I'm going to give you some of this stuff in answer to questions from my guest today, who is Jane Hamill. Jane is the founder of Fashion Brain Academy, which offers online classes and coaching for apparel and accessory designers on the business side of things. Her goal is for every designer to make a living using their creativity while becoming business savvy, even if they hate sales and cringe at the idea of a marketing plan, which I assume most of them do. She ran a successful women's wholesale clothing line and boutique. Her work has been seen in Entrepreneur, CNN, NPR, InStyle, WWD, and Lucky. And her clothing line was carried in stores across the country, including Macy's, Saks, and Bloomingdale's. So she definitely knows what she's talking about. With that in mind, hey, Jane, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Josh. I am excited to talk to you for a few reasons, one of which is we have gotten to know each other a little bit because you are a member of my skill sessions, which I talk about all the time on here and tell people they're great and helpful. But rather than me doing that, since you're on and you're actually a a paying member of them, I thought I'd let you tell people if someone's wondering if they should check it out. And by the way, for people who don't know, my skill sessions are a series of one hour workshops on very specific topics to help you grow your audience and business based on things that I've done. There's also a monthly jam session, which is an open Q&A where people can come on and ask me questions. And basically it's like getting a sort of free mini consulting, which I know Jane has been on. So that's why I know a bit about her business. (laughs) And we're going to dive even deeper today. But Jane, instead of me telling people why they should check out Skill Sessions, you're a member, you're paying for it. You tell me why people or tell them why they might want to check it out. I'm a fan. I am a Skill Sessions member. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, I've done a lot of different memberships, programs. I've been a member of lots of different things. What I really like about Skill Sessions is that you get right to the point. There is not a lot of chit chat or fluff or anything and that it's not too much. There's a new skill session every other month, which I can actually handle, digest, and implement. And the library of skill sessions is not so great that I feel guilty if I'm not in there, but it's there when I need it. Like I just reviewed the niche definer this weekend while I was driving. And so I like that there's no Facebook group. I like that there's no, hey, what do you guys think about this? Like I like the way you teach. I like the straightforwardness. I like the examples that you you do because you just give us what we need to know and no more. And that is not easy for people to do. A lot of people overteach, including myself, which is why I'm here asking for coaching today. Yeah. And it's funny because I know one of your questions, we're going to get into that and how not to do that. So first of all, thank you very much. Thank you for being in skill sessions. Thank you for saying those things. And that's it. That's our podcast episode today. So thanks everyone for coming. And uh, yeah. 
No, we're just getting started here. I do appreciate that. And it is something I try to do with everything in this podcast as well, which is like, let's just get to the good stuff and not overwhelm people. Enough of my promotion. Let's do that. Let's get to your first question. What is the first thing that you want to know? Okay. And I'm just so psyched to be here because, by the way, if you are in skill sessions, you guys, it's not so many people that you can get your question answered. Mm -hmm. So that is the other thing that I like about it. So there's plenty and you, I learned so much from the other people's questions, but I always know I can get a minute of your time if I need it. And that's insanely valuable to me. Okay. So I love the model of skill sessions. I've had multiple different memberships and I feel very much that it's a smart business model potentially for me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do my version of skill sessions for clothing, accessories, fashion designers. I am really interested in the simplicity of it and the fact that there's not a Facebook group and all of that. And I have taught a gazillion different topics. And overteaching is a difficult problem for me. And the fact that I've been a generalist, like I've been a clothing designer and I had a retail store and like all the things. So I'm torn between keeping the content of the membership. Um, and I guess I'm going to call it a membership because that's what you call it, even though it's not traditional, like whatever it is that I'm doing, feel like I know who my ideal customer is. They're making a certain amount with their business and they want to grow and they're tired of doing everything. But I'm torn between keeping it very focused, like here's just the email marketing things mm-hmm. to work on, or you're in this stage and each month we're going to cover a piece of it that really is specific to fashion and accessories designers. It's the whole kind of business. It's not mm-hmm. just one slice. So we would have, that would be like maybe a session on hiring and a session on, let's say, outsour- outsourcing, but like systems, whatever. It would be mm-hmm. bringing in other guests in other areas besides just marketing physical products, which is where my skill set is. So give people contacts for right now. Like what do people, what do people pay? What do they get? So I've done so many things, but Mm -hmm. lots of kids, lots of things. Now, what I'm doing is I have a how to start a clothing line from scratch course. Mm -hmm. That's $500. And it's Mm -hmm. really how to do with manufacturing and business and like how to start a business from scratch. I don't necessarily want to do coaching or a membership with the super startups. I've done that Mm -hmm. before and I'm, I'm interested in doing something with people who are already launched, already selling and they want to grow. So I have that available. I have how to build a following from scratch. So people who are not like, they just sell, they sell pet products or whatever. They can learn how to get the basics there. And then I do private coaching, which I hadn't done in a long time. And now I'm back to doing, I do two different types of private coaching and I really like it, but I'm getting full. So I'm thinking to, I hadn't done private coaching in a long time. I didn't think I'd still like it this much. I do. And so I want to go back to something that I can sell a lot and I could sell the startup course a lot. But I would prefer not to get known for that right now and move right. on to people who've already started. And right now, you are any of those subscription ongoing like monthly things or are they all no. one off? You buy this course. So right I now you offer, have no. I offer three one off things. Startup course, 500 bucks, costing yep. and pricing your clothing or accessories product and how to build an audience from scratch. That's it. Okay. Other than that, there's private coaching. There's no. Gotcha. So what you're thinking about is how do I either create this new thing or take what I'm doing and turn it into some sort of subscription? You're using the term membership, but some sort of more scalable subscription recurring revenue thing that is also focused on more established designers, not just, hey, you're starting from scratch and you're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to do that. Yeah, because I've had a membership that had all Mm -hmm. the things. 
And I've had yeah. memberships that ran from like $49 a month to 300 depending on the level yeah. of coaching. But the whole Facebook group and back and forth, I, I really love your yeah. show sessions model right. from my stage of life right. right now. So completely understand that. And I think this is also where people use these terms, especially terms like membership and community. They use them in a million different ways to mean different things. And so yeah. I think it's important to, to get clear on some of that. What I think you want, I think you're using the term membership, but actually yeah. what you want is a subscription product. And so I think it's important for you, even as you think about it, and it's one of the things that I struggled with skill sessions as well, because even though I call it a membership product, a lot of people assume membership means community, means message yes. board, means whatever. So first getting clear for yourself of what this is and what this isn't. And I think one of the first questions to, to think about when you're going to build any kind of subscription recurring revenue product is, is this a membership? Is it a course? Is it group coaching? Is it consulting? Which of these things is it? And, and just as importantly, why? If you're going to launch a membership or you're going to launch some, and I think why from the standpoint of the buyer, not the standpoint of the seller. I think a lot of times people launch subscription products and they're very clear in their mind why they want it as a seller. They're not entirely clear on why the buyer wants it. They're not entirely clear on, and, and, and again, I think let's even talk about it in terms of money, right? There's a version of this that, Let's just say hypothetically, because there's always going to be churn, right? Ideally, you want people that are going to stay forever and going to continue to pay month after month, but you know, you're going to have an average lifetime value of a customer. So let's just say hypothetically that the average lifetime value of your customer, let's say it was a $50 a month membership and the average person's going to stay for 10 months, mm -hmm. just making this up. There's an interesting question of if that's what the membership was or became, there's a version where you just say it's $500 one-time fee and you're in forever. And there's a version yeah. of it's $50 a month and people wind up staying 10 months. In that scenario, you're making the same money either way. You can make the case that $500 and they're in for life is better than $50 a month and they're there for 10 months. But ultimately, the question is thinking through for yourself, why am I selling this as a recurring subscription product as opposed to something else? And it's, more, it's got to be a go one time ahead. thing. I don't want to do recurring subscriptions. I don't want, I have literally okay. gone down, let all of my staff go. Like, I just want right. it simple, like the simplest. Okay. Part. The other thing to consider, like my skill sessions, I think there's a big difference between annual subscription and monthly subscription. I don't love monthly subscription for a variety of reasons. I, feel like I think I'm done with it. Like, I don't want one more monthly subscription. I think people don't want it. I also think that when you do a monthly subscription, you're creating a scenario where people are, even if they like it, they're quote unquote, feeling the pain every month. Yeah, They're getting that bill every month and every month they're going, is this worth it? Every month they're essentially deciding, do I want to stay with this or not? When you do an annual subscription, they're making that decision once. They have a year to reap the value from it. They don't every month feel like, like you said, it's interesting. Like you just watched the niche definer session. I put that out, I don't know, six months ago. Like that might've even been out like a year ago. So if it was monthly, you might go, oh, I haven't really used yes. this thing. But when you're measuring it on an annual basis, it's a totally different equation. And you're making the decision, what the, is it worth it decision you're making once a year. 
totally different than making it every month. And you get the advantages of the sort of recurring subscription revenue model, yeah. which is usually when people are going down that road, that's what they want. They want the idea that like, okay, these customers are paying over and over again. I would separate when you're thinking about this and you're thinking about, do I want it to be a subscription thing? There's really the one-time fee up front is one model. The monthly subscription is another model and the annual subscription is another model. And they're completely different. I think the people that buy the interaction of it, the feeling of it, you know, like you said, you've joined a million things before and you probably feel a lot less pressure in my annual subscription than you do in other monthly subscriptions for a variety of reasons. So that's something to think about. Yeah. And again, there's no one right way to do this. You can succeed whichever way you choose to go. But I think being very deliberate of like, I'm choosing this path for this reason for me, and people are going to join or buy or subscribe to this because this is what makes sense for them. And I think a lot of times people are only looking at one side of that equation, right? Yeah, we all do. It all makes sense. Yeah. So the other thing I want to do is I want to give you five questions that are worth considering when you're going to launch a membership or a subscription product and really deciding how do I package or frame my product and my expertise? Because that's ultimately what you're doing here, right? That's yeah. really what you're trying to figure out. What's the best packaging for this? Yeah. So here are the five questions. So the first one is, what value do members or buyers get other than just the information? If it's a subscription product, there should be a reason why they're, if they're paying every month or even if they're paying every year, why am I doing that as opposed to just paying once and getting all this? What is the other value? Now, a lot of times people default to community, message board, Facebook group, whatever, because it makes a clear sort of ongoing value. But that's not the only value that you can offer, right? You don't have to offer a community to offer a subscription product. Right. But you want to think about what are they getting other than just the information, okay. right? The second question is, what will someone get in month 10? I'm picking that as a random month. What are they going to get in month 10 that they didn't get in month one? So if you're just sharing existing expertise, what is the reason for me to be paying in month 9, 10, 11, 12, et cetera, that I didn't get in month one, two, three, four? And if there's not much difference, it probably doesn't make sense for it to be a subscription product, which is fine. But again, this gets, is it different or is it really the same? And I should just make this sort of a one-time B product. Yeah. The third question, in order for members, and I'm using the term members, but it could be subscribers or whatever, buyers. In order for buyers to get value out of this membership or this product, how much of a time commitment do they need to invest? And this is where it gets into, so you might say, okay, in month 10, that what they're going to get that they didn't get in month one is there's, there's different people in the community, there's access to different people and ideas and feedback and new challenges and new stuff that we're doing. But in order for them to get that value, it's going to require a certain time investment on their part. Yeah. They need to participate in the new challenge each month, they need to be in the message boards communicating with people. So taking that into account, and understanding that like, yes, there is ongoing new value all the time as part of this membership, but it also comes at a quote unquote cost that is not just financial. And understanding for your audience, for some audiences, that's a big pro. For other audiences, that's a big con and it feels overwhelming. Yeah. Understanding that. The fourth question is, is the idea that people are paying for access to you or access to a community and network of peers? Both are valuable. 
if they're paying for access to you, that is more of a coaching consulting model than it is a community membership model. Both are valuable and your product can be structured either way. But like my skill sessions, they're really paying for access to me. They're not really paying access to their peers, even though they get some of that a little bit in the jam sessions and that kind of stuff, right? But that's not really the hook. So understanding that and how you package it of like, this is really about them connecting to me versus you'll see other things where I'm a member of Jay Klaus's The Lab community. Mm -hmm. That's about Jay, but not really. It's secondary. He's the leader of that group, but it's really about accessing other creators and that kind of thing. The message boards are very active. His cell is very much a, you're paying to get this community. By the way, like taking your example, that can be super valuable. There are people that to have access to other designers and learn from them and see what they're doing can be revival. It may not necessarily be the thing that you're selling. I think you're probably selling access to you and your expertise for the most part. Right? At this point, so, that's what I would like. Yeah. So again, that gets into the language, right? When you're talking about it and whether it is a membership or it is a community or whatever, it's like, it's about that messaging is about access to you, not about that's why in my session, my skill sessions, what I added was a jam session where people can ask me questions, not a message board where they can connect with each other. Very conscious decision. And then the last question is, how would these people solve their problems if they didn't join this membership or this subscription or whatever this product is? There are always ways that people can get the information, the transformation, the, val the thing that they're looking for. You're never the only solution to it. No. It's really helpful to think through what are the alternatives and how am I positioning myself to be different than the alternatives? They can buy X, Y, and Z course, but when they buy or join my thing, this is what's different about it. There's lots of courses where people can learn how to grow their audience and business. What's different about my skill sessions is the way I present them, the way they're delivered, obviously who I am. I'm sharing stuff based on my own experience, the jam session element where they can ask me Q and A's, like the fact that I don't have a community, all those things make it unique and make it a good fit for some people like you and not as good a fit for other people who want the community or want the message yeah. board or want the thing. I think going through those five questions can help you think through and get clarity on what your product is, who it's for, and then the messaging and all of that. Right. All that makes sense? Yeah, super helpful. Cool. Okay. So just a couple other just random thoughts that I'm going to throw in here about sort of stuff that you're talking about. So one is I think you might want to consider the term or variation of the term established designers because you're aiming at, you're not aiming at the startup. So I think you don't want to, when you're talking about who your thing is for, don't just say it's for accessory, fashion, jewelry designers. Say it's for, I'm using the term established. It doesn't have to be that, but some version of that. The next thing I would say is getting clear on, is it about, I know you've talked about helping them grow their sales. Is it about sales or scale? So scaling operations, hiring, those things are related, but they're also different. So yeah. one is there's a person out there who's like, I just want to sell more. And there's another person who's like, I need help to sell more. So there's, over, there's clearly overlap there, but thinking about if that matters to you, I'd rather have the people, sales and scaling are different things. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say is also related, but different, attracting new customers 
versus making more from existing customers. I want more sales can mean a lot of things. There's the marketing piece or I need to bring in more people. But then there's also the, I want to turn the person that buys one of my shirts into the person that buys five of my shirts, or I want to sell more expensive products or any of that stuff. So just some things to think about. And then the final thing I would just mention here for people that are listening, if you want to learn more about my business model, one of my skill sessions is called the session system. You can check it out at joshspector.com slash sessions, where you can join to get all of them. Or you can just buy that one. If you want to just buy that one and you happen to be watching or listening to this, I will give you a discount code. Use code system25 at checkout and you can get it for half off, which would be just $25. Let's get to your second question. What is the next thing you want to know? My next question is, I like having not a lot of people. I like a simpler business. Like I I don't want the monthly recurring payments, whatever. Mm -hmm. And... When it comes to content that attracts members, there's so many things to work on. And I do a weekly podcast. And one of the reasons I want to have some type of this type of skill, your, my version of skill sessions is that it'll, mm-hmm. I'll have more content and things to talk about, more questions and use that. But when it comes to the, the tasks of what to work on, I'm breaking it up into like three things that I think really need to be done. And I'm not sure which is most important. So there's just the podcast editing, posting, management. I should outsource that. I used to, I don't. There's creating, or sorry, there's repurposing the current content. I have so much content for the last 10, 15, 14 years. Clips from my long form content, either from the podcast, the free content, pieces of training, that that repurposing is not really getting done. And updating like my sales page for either my current course or this potential new subscription model thing with clips of coaching so they can see what it's like. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that are like, this has got to get done on a regular basis and they're not Mm -hmm. really getting done. Not exactly sure which to choose from a marketing standpoint to focus on. I'm I'm gonna come at this in a few different ways. So the first thing is to be realistic with yourself and understand that your to-do list is never gonna get done for any of us. Never gonna be empty. There's always gonna be more stuff I have a crazy long list and any one of those things individually, I'm like, it is so stupid that I have not done this and fixed this yet. Like we all feel that we all beat ourselves up. But the first thing is to recognize that like, okay, it's never, I'm never getting to all this. And there's always going to be new stuff. And you're always, especially like in this sort of creative entrepreneur space, You're going to see a million people doing things. And I'm like, oh, it's so smart. That person's, I look at like, for example, one of those things for me is I can totally relate to the testimonial thing. I have all these testimonials all over the place. And I'm like, I got to put these on my site. I got to get them organized. Like, why am I not doing this? And then you'll see someone else that has them like a million, like really nicely displayed testimonials. And I'm just, oh my God, like you have them all on Twitter. They're like literally ready. You just posted about testimonials on Twitter. So the first thing is just coming to grips with like, okay, I'm not going to get it all done. The upside, the nice thing is most things don't matter and aren't going to move the needle. So of all the stuff that like you really need to do. So like if you, if we talk about repurposing content, you've got this huge archive and library of content and you're like, why am I not repurposing it? And yes, you should repurpose. The good news is there's maybe only 5% of that content you want to repurpose that's actually going to move the needle or do anything. So you feel like 
there's thousands of things out there that I'm not, I have thousands of assets that I'm not using. And it's like, you know what? There's only 10 of them that like, so, so yeah, you should be using those 10 and maybe you don't know what they are, but you're not like thousands, you're not missing out on thousands of opportunities. Like you're missing out. What on, else? Just right? I've been podcasting that many years does not mean that each one was a banger. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. I recently, a couple months ago, maybe changed the format of my like YouTube thumbnails. And so I'm aware that I have like hundreds of videos that need updated thumbnails. But the fact of the matter is, and I feel bad that like I haven't gotten around to updating them. The fact of the matter is that's not really going to move the needle that much. They're older videos and like, yes, hopefully they'll get some more clicks and more discovery, but that's not going to re completely revolutionize my business. And the fact that I haven't done it yet, like I'll get to it at some point. It's not the end of the world. So part of this is trying to look at the various things and go, which of these things is most likely to move the needle in a meaningful way? So for example, if you're looking at repurposing content versus getting some meaningful testimonials or social proof on your sales page, which by the way, is also a one-time task that probably would take you a couple hours at most, getting those testimonials on the sales page might actually lead to more conversions, probably, which is going to lead to more money, probably a much more higher leverage task then I got to go through thousands of pieces of content and read all the time. I think about like, oh, I have old blog posts that are maybe linking to old products and I should update them and link to new ones. But it's like no one's seeing those. Like very few people are seeing those blog posts. Like it's much more important for me to update my sales page, hypothetically or whatever. There's also a lot of these things that they float around and they don't actually take that long to do. So I did one this morning, as a matter of fact. So I realized when people join my skill sessions, I've recently started, if I see them, I'll reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm curious, like what made you decide to join? Because I'm trying to learn like the people that actually join and buy, what is it like, what triggered them to actually do that? And that might impact how I sell it, my copy, whatever. I realized like I could just add to the automated welcome email that people get a question of like, hey, what made you decide to join? And literally that is like a, that is two minutes at most of work. And I never have to email people individually. Like that is a really good use of two minutes. And that's the kind of thing that I should take off my to-do list as opposed to, and literally it's been on there for weeks. And this morning I was like, why don't you literally go add the sentence to your welcome email that's automated anyway, and now you never have to worry about that. So look for those kinds of things that are going to be high impact or they're going to be impactful and they're not going to take you much time at all to do. So good. The other direction that I want to go with this question is I want to talk about the content piece and you trying to figure out, because you were also asking like what content is going to attract members and that kind of thing. And I think that's attract new members, new buyers. I think it was funny because in, in thinking about your question, it actually triggered something. This is why I love doing this podcast, because it triggered something that I think I have felt or believed, but I don't think I've really talked about in this way before, right? And that is content doesn't attract buyers. Transformation attracts buyers. So a lot of people are creating and sharing and posting content about topics when really that content should be about the transformation. There's a result that they want and the content that you're creating and sharing and repurposing and all this stuff is about that result, that transformation, not just the topic. And I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think a lot of people fall into this trap. So 
if you think about it, you should not be creating content about the topic of design. I'm making this up. If the transformation they want is they want more sales, you should be creating content about the transformation of how designers can make more sales. And so the way this ultimately plays out is people consume free content that helps them make a small step or a bit of that journey of that transformation they want. Then they discover your membership or your product that can help them further make that same transformation. And it allows them to make the product, the paid product, allows them to make that same transformation that you just helped them take a baby step towards. The product helps them make it quicker, easier, or with less financial cost, less expensive than they otherwise would. One way to do this and figure out that transformation piece and figure out which content you should focus on in terms of both new stuff and also in terms of repurposing stuff and everything that we're talking about, right, is here are three questions that you can ask your ideal audience or your existing audience to help you figure out what to focus your content on. These questions are gold and you can, you're going to ask them, you can ask them collectively, but I also think if you ask them individually to people, you'll learn a lot and pay attention to their words. So here we go. Question number one, and this is you talking to your audience, right? If I could make one problem magically go away for you next week, what problem would you want to disappear? They're going to tell you something. In your case, they might say, I need more sales is an obvious one. But another one might be, I need to streamline, I need to hire someone, whatever the problem is, and force them to focus on one because they're going to give you the biggest one. Don't let them go like, I need this and that and that. No, like what one thing, if it could just disappear, it's no longer a problem. They say something, I need a clone. Yeah. Okay. But that tells you something, right? You can then, you can, that's going to tell you something of like, okay, what that means. And you could also put, you could also follow up and go like, what do you mean you need a, why do you need a clone? Because I can't get all done. So how do you clone yourself? Okay. So you're going to go down there, right? Okay. So the second question is, what's the most annoying thing you currently have to do in your business? So it's that those are similar, but they're different, right? One is I have a problem. I need it to go away. The other is this isn't a problem, but I hate doing this. I hate managing my payroll, managing my taxes. I hate having to do phone calls with buyers. I hate dealing with returns, whatever it is. What is the really annoying thing that like, it's not a problem. You just don't like doing it. And that whatever they tell you is tipping you off to, if I can create something that makes it easier for them that's going to be super valuable to them. And then the third one is, I like this one a lot. The third one is, what's the last source of information they learned from that has improved their business and what did they learn? And by source of information, what I want to know is not just, okay, I learned how to do upsells on my website. I'm making that up. But okay, where did you learn that? And they go, oh, I learned it from this podcast I listened to. I learned it from this person I follow on Twitter. You're going to learn two things from this question. If everyone's telling you the thing that improved their business was related to getting more sales, sending you a clear signal that it's about getting more sales. If everyone's telling you that the thing that they learned and actually acted on improved their business was related to like streamlining their operations, I'm making this up. It's telling you that's what they're finding super valuable. The source of that learning If you see a trend and you go, oh, everyone's learning from podcasts or everyone's learning from YouTube videos or everyone's learning from books or everyone's learning from whatever is telling you, this is where my audience is going to find information that helps them and solves their problem. If nobody says to you, I learned it in a blog post and 
50% of people say, I learned it from a podcast. Right. Or they say, I learned it from a podcast I watched on YouTube. It's telling you something about this is where my audience is looking. And that can help you answer the priority question of, should I be focused on my podcast? Should I be, if they're telling you, I learned it from this newsletter I subscribe to, it's also telling you where your audience is. So if you have a bunch of people who are like, oh, I learned it from Johnny's newsletter, you're like, maybe I should advertise in Johnny's newsletter because that's what my audience is reading. So that question, right? What's the last thing you learned that you actually implemented and improved your business and where did you learn it from can unlock all sorts of stuff for you. This is so good. And this is so good. Do you suggest I ask these questions in person, like on the phone, Zoom, whatever, or a survey would suffice or is it more of a, a like a quick conversation? You can do either. Okay. What I think I would do initially is I would identify, you probably know because it's people who have bought for you, you've engaged with whatever. I would identify a few people that you're like, you know what, if I could, it's funny you mentioned cloning because you're like, if I could get a hundred more of Susie, mm -hmm. that would be my perfect thing. So I would start with a conversation with Susie either by email or call or whatever. Again, obviously it's someone you probably have a relationship with. You're like, this is the perfect customer for me. She found my stuff really valuable. Like, and let them, the advantage of a conversation is they'll maybe talk more and you can ask follow-up questions. If you do a survey, make it open-ended. Don't make it multiple choice because you want to see the words that they use. You don't want to, you don't want to lead the subject to anything. So you want to see like, they might all choose, like, let's say that you asked multiple choice and you were like, is the most annoying thing sales or operations or customer service? They're going to choose one of those things. But if you had it open-ended and said, what's the annoying thing, they might pick an option that wasn't one of the ones you gave them, or they might say what you labeled as operations, they might not think of as operations. So they might go hiring or whatever. The words they use are very, are very helpful to see. So what I would probably do is I would start with a few conversations with people and then you're okay. going to have some sense of whatever. And then you could do a broader survey of people and see what else you get. So good. I'm so excited. Cool. So let's get to your third question. What is the last thing you want to know? I can't believe I get a third question. This is like, <laughs> oh, I just won the lottery, Josh. Thank you. Okay. Nice. I have heard you say create content around a micro goal. So if you're doing something in this scenario that we're talking about, it would be like, okay, here's a one hour training and then we have some Q&A and then we're done. It's in and out. Therefore, you can't choose big topics. And mm -hmm. so it can't be like how to create an email list, right? I was thinking, would it be something to say, like, I really have trouble. Like, if you want to take a class from me, I'm like, okay, here's a 17 part training on that. Nobody want that anymore. If they ever did, I doubt. Could it be something where in order to keep myself really focused that I'm mean, either teaching like here's what's working now for one of my clients exactly mm -hmm. how we're doing it mm -hmm. or I guess I'm just trying to figure out how do you get enough information to take an action if it's yeah. a, the micro goal of like like there is one strategy for instance which is build your email list by getting product testers it mm -hmm. can totally be taught in one hour I get it yeah but that's like one of the few things I can think that I could really teach in an hour. It's a great, you know? it's a great question. And again, something that, something that I haven't talked about much, because it's really the, really what you're talking about is scope of a product, right? Or scope of an educational product, scope of what you're teaching. And it's funny that you mentioned like, oh, here's 17 hours worth of training. Uh, I mentioned this, I think actually recently in one of our jam sessions, 
I'm working with a client right now and he actually hired me to rewrite his sales pitch, which is something I've started doing for people as a service. What was funny is his existing sales page has like very prominently, like one of the big things is he's trying to show like how much value he's giving to people in this product. And he's like, it's 600 pages worth of blah, blah, blah. And one of the first things I said to him is like, I get what you're trying to do, but like, that's not helping you. Because I think people look at that and they go, that is totally overwhelming. And by the way, I'm not, one of the things I'm doing, I'm not telling him to change the product, but when I, the way I'm going to talk about it in the rewritten sales page is I'm not going to go 600 pages, look at all this stuff. I'm going to amplify the the sort of simplicity and the clarity of whatever of like, yeah, you're getting all the stuff, but it's really well organized and you don't have to read. I'm literally going to have a line like you don't have to read 600 pages to get the value out of this thing. Like I want to remove the people's intimidation or overwhelm feeling of like, oh God, this is too much. Okay. So jumping back to, let's talk about how to figure out sort of the scope of your product or your, your course or whatever. So the first thing is obviously you can ask in for input from your audience. I do this with skill sessions where people vote on the topics. So you know that you're creating something that people want to, to know. So if you're not sure and you're like, I want to do sort of certain sections of this, but I'm not sure that it's going to be relevant to enough of my people, you can gauge it that way, right? You don't have to create it blind and then hope they want it. If you have an audience and you have a community, you can get their input. I do it by polling my skill session members, but you could also do it on social media. I'm really active on social media and in my podcast and by email. I have a pretty good sense of what my audience wants to know because I'm interacting with them all the time. That aside, here are a few things you can do to sort of help you narrow the scope of a product. So number one, and this should be obvious, but I think for some people it's not, you should only teach things you've successfully done yourself and that you have examples that you can point to. I'm amazed at people that are like teaching a newsletter course, a Twitter course, and like they don't have a successful newsletter or Twitter. It's just a, it's just a weird thing. So that's one thing. Well, the next thing is write a list of all the elements that would go into a broad product and limit yourself to covering three or less of them and or dive multiple layers deeper into one. So for example, if I was thinking about a broad course that's like how to have an amazing newsletter, there's a million things that go into having how to have an amazing newsletter, right? That requires writing, it requires sign up page, it requires sales if you're selling ads subscriber growth, technical platforms, et cetera. So what I would do is I would take that as an exercise to narrow the focus, take that broad topic. So in this case, how to have a great newsletter and go three layers deep. How to have a great newsletter might be the broad topic. Then I might go, you know what? Subscriber growth would be layer two. And I'm going to go a layer below that, which is how to get more subscribers from social media. And that's how I wind up with the skill session on the newsletter social playbook. I I take a broad topic and I go two layers down, subscriber growth, and then a a piece of subscriber growth. And typically, if you go three layers down, you're going to wind up someplace that's narrow and specific enough from any big topic. That is super brilliant. And that's so flexible. You can do that with anything. And by the way, if you don't, you can always go deeper. You go, I'm going to go another layer deeper and even see how that goes. Another thing you can do is once you choose or once you're thinking about a broad topic, you can go through the exercise of considering what you would do if you had to create multiple separate courses on that topic. For example, like again, the same thing, if it was this broad topic of how to have a great newsletter. And I was like, what if instead of one, how to have a great newsletter course, 
I had to create four different courses related to that topic. What's going to happen then is one of two things. One is you'll realize it would be really easy to create four separate courses. And that basically means your topic is too big. Or you'll have a series of courses. You'll be like, instead of one, I'm going to create four different courses on this topic. Or you'll realize it would actually be hard to do multiple individual courses on that topic, which means that the topic's not too big. It's the right size. And you've just outlined your course because you basically came up with the four things and you're like, these four things couldn't be courses on their own, but these are the four things I'm going to cover in the course. And now I've got my course outline and I'm good to go. Another thing you can do is depending a bit on the specifics, you can narrow down the focus of your course or product to what I call a ridiculous but repeatable level. So for example, instead of a course on how to get more sales, you could do a course on how to get one sale. More unique, stands out, is different, and narrows the focus, but how to, a course on how to get one sale would be repeatable and expandable as opposed to how to get sales where I'm going to cover a million things. You just go, I'm going to tell you how to get one sale in this one way or whatever. Another thing you can do, which is along those lines, is you can always add constraints to easily shrink things and narrow the focus. And this is, again, true of paid products and content. So for example, I have a blog post that I published a while ago called How to Boost Sales in One Minute. How to Boost Sales is a massive topic that I don't even know how you would cover in a blog post. But how to boost sales in one minute forced me to narrow down and go, what tips could I give people that would take less than a minute to do and might drive more sales? Narrows it, makes it more interesting, more specific, and is still helpful. And just because there's things you can do in a minute, you could do those things over and over again. Another one, instead of doing a thing about how to get clients, you could do a thing about how to get a $20,000 plus client. So adding that constraint narrows it and makes it more unique and interesting. Another one you could do instead of how to sell more jewelry, you could do how to sell more jewelry at farmer's markets. Adding that specific constraint changes everything. And you can do that with a million different things. And so to give you an example, and that this sort of builds on what I was just talking about. So I'm going to give you what I'm calling like a niche narrowing exercise that will help you identify the perfect focus for your course or content. Really simple. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to create a list of at least five potential course or content topics with each one being a narrower version of the previous topic. So we're going to start really broad and we're going to get more and more narrow, more and more specific. I might start with how to market your product, super broad. Then I would niche down to how to market your jewelry. Then I would niche that down to how to market your handmade jewelry. Then I would niche that down to how to market your handmade jewelry to men. Then I would niche that down to how to market your expensive handmade jewelry to men. Then I would niche that down to how to market expensive handmade jewelry to men at craft fairs. And you can keep going as long as as you want. And you're getting more and more niche and more and more specific and probably more and more weird. So once you have that list, and I would recommend coming up with at least five, but you could go as far as you want. You're then going to analyze those options and pick the one that feels narrow enough to be unique and a perfect fit for someone in your target audience without being too narrow for your market or goals. In that scenario, you might go, you know what, how to market expensive handmade jewelry to men at craft fairs is a little too niche, but how to market handmade jewelry to men is a perfect fit for like anyone that's doing that, like they're gonna absolutely buy this course. And when you look at that compared to where we started, which is how to market your product or how to market your jewelry, for a certain audience, it's that you're looking for that perfect fit. The thing that's a no-brainer that like this person who's trying to do this specific thing is 
absolutely going to be interested in and buy this. This is giving me so many good ideas. And mm-hmm. it's making me realize when I first started teaching this stuff, I think I knew more what their specific struggle was that day. And I did think yeah. like the script to use with a retail buyer when you actually get them on the phone. And we role played mm-hmm. it and I just gave them what to say and what not to say because I owned a retail store yep. for 14 years and I sold my, and it was like the script to use when you get this one specific thing. So it was very small, mm-hmm. but it was like my most popular thing because it solved a yep. specific problem. Yep. And absolutely. The specificity is huge. And the irony of this is it also becomes easier to create. It's much yeah. easier to create that than how to market your product or how to get more sales, which is like all over the place. And then here's the final twist on this. So once you choose one of those sort of niche down topics, then you can consider what companion courses or content could be created with a slight tweak to one of the elements. So let's say that you decided to go with how to market your handmade jewelry to men. You're like, okay, this is the right size, the right perfect fit. Then you go, okay, what could I do if I wanted to create complementary or additional courses or products with a slight tweak to that definition, right? So we're not narrowing down, whereas before each one was getting narrower and narrower. Now we're going horizontal just by tweaking one of the things. So the main one is, like I said, how to market your handmade jewelry to men. If I change handmade, that could become how to market high-end jewelry to men or how to market antique jewelry to men or how to market inexpensive jewelry to men. Do you see how those aren't narrower? They're horizontal. They're alternate options. If I want to build a suite of product, I also could change the men part. So instead of how to market your handmade jewelry to men, how to market handmade jewelry to women. Once you hone in on this is the level of specificity, then you can start looking horizontally and go, what else would have this level of specificity just by swapping out one of the elements? And so it gives you, again, if that's a route you're going, once you've honed in on sort of one thing, it becomes very easy to create additional ancillary products that are on that level. And you can see, so I haven't done this yet, but like hypothetically, my newsletter social playbook is basically how to use social media to promote your newsletter and get subscribers. If I wanted, I could do the newsletter YouTube playbook, how to use YouTube to get subscribers. I could do the newsletter podcast playbook, how to use your podcast to get newsletter subscribers. I could do the podcast social playbook, how to use social to promote your podcast. Once I hit that level of this is the right thing, I can now swap out any stuff, obviously I have to have expertise on it and, and know how to do it, but now I can go horizontal, right? I created the vertical list. I went down to the right level and then I'm expanding horizontally and you're winding up with all these very specific focused topics. And by checking with my audience, their interest in any of those things that can also help guide me. If you go back to the original list, let's say you might take what was three levels down in terms of narrowness. You could take your three, four, and five levels down and go ask your audience, which of these three things do you want? And you'll see how specific they want to go. And would that be, I probably will understand this more when I listen to the recording, but right now, if I'm doing that, am I trying to get that for like, what's my whole thing about or what's this content today about? Is it, is this exercise Uh, used for like the big picture of like what? You can use it for, you can, you could use it for either. Okay. So the way I like, the way I like to think about content, and this kind of goes back a little bit to what we talked about before, where I was saying like, 
the content is about the transformation, not about the topic. Yeah. So I think you would pick whatever your product is, assuming you're talking about free content, which I think you are right now. So you would pick whatever your topic is for the product. So like in the example I just gave, let's say that I chose how to market your handmade jewelry to men. So my question would be, what content can I give people, free content, that's going to help them market their handmade jewelry to men? Because yeah. any of those steps on that path, they're then going to go, oh, I'm going to buy the thing because the thing is going to help me do this quicker, easier, less expensive. This is a great example, too, because I did own a retail store for 14 years and mm -hmm. men shop really differently. And if you haven't sure. sat in a retail store for 14 years, you might not know that. <laughs> yeah. You think women are yeah. the same as men, but the men come in and you show them four, four options and they're like, oh, you have to kind right. of, it's different. So it's easy. Like you said, it's a smaller topic. So it's like mm -hmm. actually easier to teach. It's same. easier to get more specific. It's really hard to do broad stuff. And by the way, it's also way more, in, it differentiates you and it's way more interesting. Yeah. Like I'm making this up. I'm certainly not in your space, so I have no idea. But my guess is not a lot of courses out there for your audience that are talking about selling to men, because most of them are probably talking about just selling generally, even for people that sell men's clothes or, you know, watches or accessories or what jewelry. My guess is there are not a lot of resources out there about selling jewelry to men. That's interesting. I don't know. I yeah. might be wrong, but that's my guess, right? Yeah. Because they're focused on the sort of broader level. So when you get more specific, you're not competing against every how to sell jewelry yeah. resource. And that goes back less to competition. why would they want this? Like, yeah. why, yep. what are they, why aren't they getting this somewhere else? And what, yeah. I know why I want to do it, but like, yeah. I think I'm thinking about them, but I'm not. We're all like that. Yeah. This was awesome. I'm glad you found it helpful. Super. Let people know again where they can find you, where they can check out your stuff. I know you have a free guide as well. And all yeah. That. So let, yes. where can people go? Fashionbrainacademy.com is the company. I'm Jane and I help clothing, accessories, jewelry designers. Basically, if you go right. here, we help you. Good sales pitch. I recommend that headline <laughs> on your uh, homepage. Well, that's where we're Hi, here, I'm right? Jane. I've done yeah, so many things exactly. for so many years that it's like, I do lots yeah. of things. But I help you start and grow a clothing or accessories line, especially for right brain people like me who just want to design clothes and think there should be an invisible business partner who then goes out and sells it. We help you sell it yourself. We teach you how to do there it. There you go. And for me, again, my newsletter, fortheinterested.com slash subscribe, my skill sessions, which I mentioned a bunch of times. Go to joshspector.com slash sessions to check those out. I'm on Twitter all the time at jspector. If you would like to come on this podcast and ask me three questions, you can go to joshspector.com slash questions to submit them. Jane, thank you for the questions. Thank you for giving me some prompts that helped me come up with some new stuff I haven't actually thought about or talked about before. Thank you for being a Skill Sessions member. I'm sure people are going to find this episode really helpful. Yeah, that's it. Thanks everyone for watching, listening. I will see you next week.